Let's give it up for Nia Cerise and Benita. Oh, louder, louder, louder. That, you know, the question of identity is like, you know, who, who am I? Like, who, who am I? When we think about identity, what is our identity? We're essentially asking, like, who, who am I? And I was asking God, like, what, what, does it, what does it mean when we ask? Like, what is the answer to that question? And I felt like it was that we are loved by Jesus and we are loved by God. Like, exactly what Kalechi just said. If we know whose we are, we know who we are. But then the thing is, the, the phrase loved by God or loved by Jesus only has weight if we know who Jesus is. Do you know what I mean? Like if, it's, if I said I'm loved by Julius, if you don't know who Julius is, then it doesn't, doesn't mean anything. Do you know what I mean? Or if I don't know who Julius is, it doesn't mean anything because I don't really know him. So the fact that it says loved, loved by Jesus, you have to know who Jesus is. Does that make sense? And the more and more and more we understand who Jesus is, the more secure we become in our identity because we understand like, oh, this is, Jesus who will never fail me. Oh, this is a Jesus that is always there for me. He hears me when I cry. All these different things. When we understand who Jesus is, we become more secure in who we are. Does that make sense? And um, yeah. And so if we go to, um, do you guys have Bibles? Yeah. So um, I think it's Genesis. I should tell you which bit. I think it's Genesis one twenty six, but I'll ch- check. No, Genesis four. Sorry, verse one. Mm. Um, Genesis four. Okay, so it says. So it depends what translation you're reading. So let me go to NIV. So Adam made love to his wife Eve and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. So if we go to another translation, it says, Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I'd begotten a man with the help of the Lord. So the word know, to know someone, is literally in this case, to literally have sex with them, like to be intimate with them, to be naked and vulnerable in front of them. Do you know what I mean? Two becoming one. When you really know somebody, you let them in like completely. And when we know God, we're intimate with him. You know, uh, me and Nisharis were talking earlier about how we shed shed clothing, but I guess you can talk about that in a minute. Uh, There you go. (laughs) (laughs) so in my own personal time of the lord um the lord has been speaking to me um in fact it began with a revelation that i had um a few weeks ago in a dream where it was almost as though i saw the secret place um of prayer and then i saw god likening it and telling me explaining to me that that place was so similar to the place of man knowing a woman, um, Adam knowing Eve, 
that place of intercourse. And the Lord began to speak to me about what it means to actually have intercourse with his spirit. And what I mean by that is us actually having intimate, relational knowledge with God. So God just began to speak to me about the fact that um, man and wife are such a great way of an earthly representation of a heavenly revelation. So what God began to explain to me through such was that a husband and wife, first and foremost, must remove one another's clothes in order to gain access to one another. Similarly, the Lord began to speak to me and explain to me that no flesh can stand in his presence, so he will remove the rags of, of self-work that we have placed upon ourselves, every garment of heaviness. No, no, no. In his presence, the Bible says, is fullness of joy. So he must remove these rags and he must remove these adornments that we've placed on ourselves before we now get to that place of intercourse. And then the Holy Spirit began to speak to me that a lot of people stop at foreplay. See, foreplay in the world, in terms of between, in the earth, let me say, between man and wife is a place where there is intimacy, but you know that intercourse is to come. It's a place where you are having contact with the person, your lover, but you know you're not having the direct, intimate connection of intercourse that you will soon have, right? So the Lord said to me that many of us stop at that place of foreplay. Some of us are in the presence and we feel a tickle by the Lord, but we get content with simply, you know, having a pat or, you know, feeling good, but the Lord is saying that there's more. A deeper place where it gets into a place of great communion, where you know that you have actually been there, witnessed, seen him that morning, seen him that evening. You've had that place of oneness where you know that you have received, the Holy Spirit has deposited something within you. You've left that secret place, not more wearied and, wearied and dissatisfied with the presence of the Lord. I wish there was more. I know that there was that thing this morning, but I know that I wish that he could have just, we could have just, no. God wants us to come into that place of intercourse. Amen. Where it is that, where we do come out of the secret place satisfied. Where we do come out of that secret place and we actually feel filled by him. Not just a little touch, filled. In the same way man deposits, deposits his seed inside woman is the same way God himself has used that as an earthly reflection of how the Holy Spirit deposits himself inside of us and we have that fullness and we must leave changed. We must leave that place changed. So, yeah. Amen. And um, if we go to um, Proverbs 3, 5 to 6. Um, it's probably a verse that we've come across before. So it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. So the word acknowledge is the same word as know. So Adam knew Eve. The same word is in all your ways acknowledge him. So when when... When you know somebody, when a man knows a woman, it births something, like it births a child, right? And when we acknowledge God in our ways, we, it births new mindsets. Mm. It births new identity. Mm. 
So if we know him as our provider, it births thoughts that are, you know, full of faith, full of trust. If we know him as, you know, our rest, it births rest in our souls. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And even as Nia Sharif was saying, it changes. Something should change. It should birth a new mindset. It should birth faith. It should birth something new. Mm. Yeah, I definitely agree with what you're saying. And it links to the conversation we were having earlier about the fact that intimate revelation and knowledge of God is what um, births something. However, (laughs) many people are more focused on the external and what they can birth without going first and foremost to the groom. Right? So many people are so conscious and they're so driven to have, um, I need more fruits, I need more fruits, I need this. But they don't want to go to their husband. Who on earth can have a baby without going and joining with a man? We obviously know that there are synthetic ways now to produce a baby, right? In the world. But naturally, naturally, it's, 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 it's impossible for a woman to have a child without being one with a man. Even with Jesus. The Bible actually says that the Holy Spirit was his father. There was an intercourse, a seed. There was something that happened, occurred for Mary to then give birth to promise, to give birth to fruit. And that's why it's so vital for that intimate knowledge. If you find that you're always doubting whether God will help you in your exams, doubting whether you're going to be able to pass this exam, doubting whether you're going to find, you know, this person or this person favor with these people, it's because rather than focusing on these fruits and what's happening externally, you need to go back and get into the root, get into the presence, get into that intimacy, that knowledge as you were talking about, so that it can birth what you desire, you know? So. Mm, that's good. Um, where do I want to go? I want to go to Romans 8. So I'm getting your Bibles exercising. Mom. Um, where am I going I'm going to Romans 8 yeah 15 please yeah so it says so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves instead you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. So we can also see this oneness here, right? So for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. When we are one with God, we are children of God. You know, that is our identity. We are children of God. And um, literally today I was in my friend's room and like I felt like God was actually saying that like we are actually children of God. Like we are actually children. We are childlike. We can literally let go and surrender. And he is our father. Like when I tell you, I was actually dribbling. Like, it was actually, like, I was, like, completely, like, 
It was just mad. It was actually mad. And God is actually our father. We can actually cry out Abba Father. And you know this picture of like a toddler literally just their arms open asking their father just to pick them up. Like he is actually in complete control of everything. Like do you know him as your father? Like your father that is in control, that is in control, that you can trust, that you can let go, that you can surrender everything at his feet. Yeah. yeah. To add on to that so perfectly, Holy Spirit's flowing. Um, yeah. As we were reading this, the Holy Spirit was speaking to me about how sonship is such a key part of our identity in Christ Jesus. So as you were saying from the scriptures in verse 15, you said, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery f- to fall back into fear. Mm. Why? Because sonship is sealed in your heart. Mm. That's why when some people get saved, the revelation of sonship is in their spirit, but has not yet reached their soul, mm. which Ooh. is why they continue to fall back into mindsets telling them, am I saved? Am I saved? Am I saved? Oh no, because they're falling back into the bondage of fear. But that wasn't our inheritance as a child of God. There is no fear in love. Now we are sealed with our sonship. That is our validation. And as you were speaking, the Lord was speaking to me about the power of sonship and how that is our shield against the enemy's lies. Because we hold forth our inheritance Jesus did not just die for your sins. This is the mistake the church has made. They continually preach Jesus died for your sins. Jesus died for your sins. Yes, that's an aspect. But what did the blood do? The blood granted access. The blood granted access. I can't speak. (laughs) Holy Spirit, give me utterance. The blood granted (laughs) us. It gave us an open door into the Father's arms. That's why we now have the ministry of reconciliation. The Bible explains that Jesus died for us, not just for our sins, but so that we would have dominion over them and so that we may come and enter in. I don't know about you, but I'm going to the holies of holies. I'm not staying behind the veil with my works. Wow. Because my works aren't speaking, the blood is. Wow. And I can only hear it if I choose to walk in sonship. Mm. I can only hear that blood speaking for me if I choose to clothe myself in sonship. If I don't, I walk as an orphan. Mm. And then I clothe myself in what I'm doing rather than what he's already done. Mm. I clothe myself in my performance rather than what he performed for me on the cross. So it's so vital that we seal ourselves in sonship. How do we do that? The Bible says in Jude 1, 21, it says that we should keep ourselves in the love of God. I didn't know that that was my responsibility for a long time. I thought that, God, if I don't feel a tingle, oh my gosh, where have you gone? No, he's there. His love is always overflowing. But you must wash yourself in his word and remind yourself of the deed that he did on the cross, his love for you, so that you can keep yourself understanding that the river of God's love continues to wash over you, whether you can feel it or not. So the Holy Spirit was speaking to me about understanding inheritance 
Because the prodigal son, that story, you see two sons in the story. A lot of the time we focus on the prodigal son who ran away, forgetting the other one who remained in the house. He was living there and was offered sonship, but he was living as an orphan. That's why he had a competitive spirit. When the father welcomed home the prodigal son, he had based everything on his works that he was jealous that his brother who had squandered his inheritance was now inheriting an incredible thing. In his eyes, it was greater than his, his own. His mentality, his mentality was of an orphan. The father came to him as he stood smug and sad outside saying, I'm not entering into this party that you've held for my brother. I've done this for you. I've done this for you. Look, I've done this for you. And this is the rhetoric of many Christians. Why has that person just come to Christ and now they're free from this bondage, but I'm still in this, Lord. I fasted. I've prayed. I've done this. I go to church every week. I've been helping this person. Why are you now using that person more than me? Why is that person going forth and walking in greater gifts than I am? I was the one who did this, but I've been doing that. I've been doing that. I don't get it. And God's saying, stop. Everything I have is yours. And those were the words that the father of the prodigal son said to the sad one who was standing outside. He just didn't realize his inheritance as a son. We must realize our inheritance as sons of God. Everything he has is ours. A lot of the time, we think that God's hand is closed. In fact, it's just our mentality. So we've not opened our minds. The Bible says that the violent take the kingdom by force. But if you don't know who you are, you're living as an orphan instead of a son, you will not even believe that you're invited into that place. Holy Spirit. Um, okay, why don't, we, why don't we have a little process moment? So I'm doing a lot of revision these days, so you know. So, okay, so why don't you turn to your neighbor? What's one thing that's just stood out to you? What's one thing that you've, mm, you've, you've learned? regardless of our doctrine or discipline or duty all of these types of stuff like God was saying to me talking to me about that church and I thought we could mention about the character people thinking that oh I need to have this and that in place for God to like love me more and like want to use me more but like what what I was speaking about in terms of the character not like actually preserving you in that not qualifying you to get there because you get what I mean he wants to use everyone do you get what I mean because yeah, yeah, yeah. I felt like he wanted to speak about more than conquerors as well just a bit more about inheritance 
Yeah, okay, yeah, let's go. Do you want to yeah, add on? Oh, it'll definitely link. Half of what I'm saying, I'm literally, the Holy Spirit is saying it through my mouth. I'm literally saying. Okay, go on, okay. <laughs> so yeah, you well, can add on to um, the blessing. Well, there's a lot, let's just keep yeah. going. You, yeah, yeah, yeah. Add on to what you said, and then I'll just find a way to add this in as well. It'll work. Okay. Okay, guys. We're just gonna bring you back. So, do you guys want to just like fire nuggets of what what you what you what Holy Spirit has been telling you? Okay, so um, I guess we're just gonna keep we're gonna keep going. So we've we've said that knowing God is intimate, intimate, and um, it means that we we're taking off the layers, like Wally just said, and um, it, knowing Him births new mindsets, and that um, when we're intimate with the Father, we know that we're children of God, and if we're children of God, that means we have an inheritance. Does that make sense so far? Yeah. And so if we read um, Romans eight uh, thirty. Uh, seven, I think, is. Oh, actually, no, from 31. Sorry. So, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus died more than that, who w- was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or the sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. 
No, in all of these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so when we talk about the inheritance that we have as children of God, God is saying that we are more than conquerors. And I've said this before, but we are more than conquerors. We're not just stepping into the promised land or just about tipping our toes in or standing there and feeling like, you know, am I really worthy of this? We are called to stand there, have dominion over it. And I even listened to a podcast today who said, you stand there, you have dominion over it, you then... um, prepare the land for harvest then you have a harvest and then you prepare the land for future generations do you know what I mean we're called to conquer that land and do more than that yeah that's so true um and even what you were just reading so interesting um oh sorry (laughs) that's just sorry um yeah um in terms of what you were just reading um sorry I forgot the verse um yeah, um, where you were talking about nothing can separate us from the mm. love of God. Read, read that verse again where it says, not pr- principalities, powers, this, mm. that, and the other. Because mm. I love this verse. For I am convinced that neither death mm-hmm. nor life, mm-hmm. neither angels yes. nor demons, mm-hmm. neither the present nor the future, mm-hmm. nor any powers, mm-hmm. neither height nor depth, nor anything else in creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Come on, amen. I remember listening to a preacher. I spoke about this on my Instagram the other day. I remember listening to a preacher who said, everything that has been stated in that verse, right? Everything, powers, principalities, any other creation, this and that, that." everything is stated in that verse, except yourself. Take that in. That's the only thing not stated in that verse. Death can't separate you. Principalities can't separate you. Powers can't separate you. Other people can't separate you. The only thing that was not stated in that verse was yourself. Why? Because you are the only reason why separation between you and God can occur if you decide to reject him and turn away from him. And this is why God wants us to understand the importance the importance of pushing in to know him. Right now on this earth, we have the choice of how deep we're going to actually go. How deep we're going to go to know him. And he wants us to know that he is drawing us in, guys. Like daily, we have a choice. I said this the other day. I said that every day in the presence is actually a divine appointment. Every day in the presence is a divine appointment. Mm. I know that I wouldn't miss a job interview. I wouldn't miss, you know, an exam. If we saw the presence as something that was that vital, Mm. would we miss it? Mm. I don't think we would. And it's so crazy because many of us study exams to pass tests, but we don't realize that we must get into his presence, study the Lord, know who he is, study his word so that we can actually go out into this life and actually pass the trials of life. Mm. It's so vital. So that just reminded me of what the Lord wanted me to share. 
Um, but something that I really do want to kind of move on to now as well um, is this kind of mentality that God has really um, broken off, especially very recently. Um, God has begun to, and you can bring the Mary Martha stuff into that after if you desire, but God has been speaking to me about the importance of realizing that anything that does not come from that place of intimacy is completely out of identity. Anything that is coming and you're placing in this in this world, whether it be, you know, you're acting the, um, kind, you're doing these types of things. If it's not actually from a place of intimacy, that place is a place of works. That's not your identity. Do you get what I'm trying to say? So the Lord was saying to me that a confession to God that we make with our mouths without a genuine love for him and a genuine intimate connection with God is simply just a vain repetition. That's what the Bible's speaking about when it talks about us making vain repetitions. There's no heart connection. There's no intimacy shared there. And therefore, it's out of identity. It's not what you were created to walk as. You weren't called to walk in vain repetitions. You were called to walk in intimacy. So the Lord was also saying to me that when we actually, well, I've said this already, obedience that comes anywhere that is not from the source of intimacy, as I've said, it simply works, guys. And this is why I place such an emphasis on the value of seeking God and being intimate with him because that is an overflow of identity. Identity begins in that place and overflows as we walk in continual intimacy. Many people want to know the identity. Many people try and even mimic identity. I talk to people, I'm not smoking anymore. I'm not drinking anymore. I'm not partying anymore. I'm not swearing anymore. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not watching porn anymore. I'm not fornicating anymore. I'm not doing this anymore. But then I just say to them, but how's your secret place? How is your pursuit of the presence? Because I'm sorry, if there's no intimacy, that is all just works. It's all done in the flesh. The flesh is futile. It's done in your strength. Sooner or later, those things are going to creep back because it's not flowing from a place of intimacy. No. No, it's, flow it's actually flowing from a place of flesh. So I want to encourage you with this today because the Bible speaks in Revelation 12, um, 12 I believe. No, Revelation 2, actually. From verse 2 to 5, I'll read it out to you. He says, I know your deeds, your hard work and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people and that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not. And you have found them false. You have persevered and you've enjoyed hardships for my name and you've not grown weary. Yet, I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. That first love. This is the thing. This church did everything. They'd endured. They're going hard for God. I'm sure they're out evangelizing. I'm sure they're out saying this doctrine is false. No, we stand for Jesus. We're doing this right. We're doing this. We're doing this. But God says, where is your first love? 
Where is the intimate encounter that we had? Because he's not pleased with works. He's, he's pleased by his work. I'll repeat that again. He's not pleased by our works, guys. Oh. He's pleased with his work, which, he, which he does through <laughs> us. Literally. Which he does through us oh. when we're intimate with him. Oh. When we know him. Oh. It's so powerful. I was like, rah. Oh, my gosh. I've, I've been, I'm, I'm, oh God was just, wow. Many of you, even in, in this place, we were talking about this earlier. There's certain character traits that you don't like about yourself and that you wish that you could change and you think that God will not use you if you don't get your act together and you, and you change those things right now. Let me tell you, God can use anyone. Anyone. There are vessels of gold and silver. There's vessels of clay and wood. God will still use the vessel because if he used, he used David, but he also used Solomon, not Solomon, Samson. Samson, the same guy who looked up to the heavens and said, are you not going to get me a drink of water? You're going to leave me to die, God. Sassy. <laughs> God can use anyone, regardless of what your character is right now, regardless of what, what you are like right now. No, no. Your character, let me tell you this, your character does not actually qualify you for God to use you. As soon as you say yes to Jesus, he wants to use you. That's why I say, don't cry, don't beg, don't even ask for God to use you because it's already his will. <laughs> Honestly, it's, al it's already his will. Many people think, oh, I need to try and be so good so that, so that then God will choose me and yes, I've won, he'll use me. No. Listen, God wants to change your character. And I said this to Benita earlier. He doesn't want to change his character because that will qualify you for use. He wants to actually change your character so when he puts you in purpose, he can preserve you there with the character traits. Mm -hmm. That's why he wants to use your character and that's why he wants to change you to his image. But he knows that character change takes a day-by-day -day process because of this world and how it's warped your mentality and mindset. He knows what he's working with. He knew that when he chose to actually use Noah, he would go and get drunk and be, and be naked and rolling around in the ark. He knew that Noah was going to do that. But what does the Bible say? It says that he was righteous and blameless among the people of his time. Wow. wow. God has been breaking mindsets and mentalities off me that Christianity is about walking perfectly. No, it's about being perfected. Whoa. Wow. So God spoke to me even in Romans about Abraham, which I was just shocked at. It shocked me. In fact, I like to say, not my cotton socks off. <laughs> Romans 4. I read it, and I'm not going to lie, I actually got a little bit angry. He was talking about Abraham. Lord, help me find the verse. He was talking about Abraham. If I can't find it, I'll give it to you after. And when he was speaking about Abraham, the Bible actually speaks about how Abraham was blameless also. The Bible, when speaking about Abraham, actually goes into detail about how he held forth the promise and was unwavering. I read my Bible. I rubbed my eyes. I said, Lord, what are you talking about? He had unwavering faith when you told him that he was to have a child, but he decided, I'm just going to go and have sex with the maid because I'm not too keen on believing this promise will come through my wife. So I'm going to impregnate my maid, have Ishmael, and believe that he's the promise. 
I thought, how was he unwavering in his faith if mm. he decided to step out of your will and go and impregnate another woman mm. and go and chase after a promise that wasn't even yours? The Lord says, t- said to me, his faith made him blameless. Wow. His faith made him blameless. Mm. I do not impute sin upon him. I was shocked. Then you read in the Bible, in the book of Kings, where God actually says that David followed in all the Lord's statutes. And I asked the Lord, what are you talking about? (laughs) Yet again, he got a woman pregnant, killed her husband. He was a madman running reckless. But now you're telling me that he's a man after your own heart. Wow. Mm. Bride of Christ, I've been realizing that the way I see myself is not even the way that God sees me. Many of us are looking down on our flaws, all the things that we're doing. We're thinking, oh my gosh, how could God ever love me? How could he ever use me? No, your faith has counted you as righteous. And if you know your faith has counted you as righteous, you understand your sonship. Leading us back to identity once again, where you know that you are made righteous through faith and not through the works, through your life. He sees every single one of us as blameless. I'm sure if we went into the presence of the Lord, we would be afraid if he was to show the world how he saw us, but then surprised once he revealed that you were a glorious and perfect vessel in his eyes, simply by faith. Jesus is king. I hope that broke some mentalities of some people tonight. Okay, guys, so we are... We're coming near the end, so I feel like just shooting some stuff at you, okay? So basically, one thing that God has been speaking to me about is worship and hunger. And I feel like he's actually just pouring out hunger for him. And when in David, he was like the king of like Israel, right? So he had the whole army at his side and he had, you know, riches abundantly, but he was hungry for God. And I asked God, what does it mean to be a man after your heart? And I think it's hunger in all circumstances, hunger in abundance, hunger when you have things, because you know who is actually going to come through for me? What is actually, you know, going to help me in this situation? And I feel like God is saying, like, I want to pour out hunger into you. I want it to be a gift that I give you for the rest of your life. Every single day of your life, you will be hungry for me. Even when you do get that relationship, even when you do have the finances, even when you're finally out of your overdraft. Amen. Literally. <laughs> it's, a, it's a grind. It's a grind. It's a grind. <laughs> You will still be hungry for me. You will still be hungry for me. Okay, okay, okay. So, and um, I feel like also, so that's, that's one gem, just collect that. So the next one is that worship. When we, when we worship Jesus, you know, the thing that we, when we worship something, we become it. And when we worship Jesus, we become more like his image. And that's when we really become one with him. That's when we really know him, when we put him above all else. And worship isn't just the slow songs. It's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle of having the eternal mindset and saying that I'm going to choose. In every situation, you have the flesh or you have the spirit. You can think about the temporary or you can think about the eternal. But we are citizens of heaven. We are more than conquerors. So in every single situation, are you looking at the long term? If Jesus asks you to do something and he's whispering in your ear, 
number one, whispering co- um, needs intimacy. For him to whisper to you, you need to be close to him. But if he's whispering to you, do you have an eternal mindset to say, I trust Jesus. I trust him with what he, he has for me. I trust him because he's my father. Or are we going to satisfy the flesh and say, but this is easy right now. But I don't actually want to wake up right now. I don't actually want to do my quiet time. I don't actually want to go and speak to that person. But Jesus knows if someone needs a prayer from you. Jesus knows if someone needs an encouragement from you. And even though it's kind of uncomfortable for us, are we willing to go the extra a mile and the third thing is I feel like God is saying like you know the verse love the Lord with your whole mind your whole soul and your whole strength what does it mean to be desperate for him you know we're talking about knowing Jesus we're talking about being intimate with him but what does it mean to be desperate for him what does it mean to love him with your whole body David says I will be even more undignified than this in Revelation it talks about how literally they were standing in front of the throne of God and all they could say in response to his glory was holy 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 that's all they can say for the rest of eternity because that's the awe that they have they have eyes all over their body and every single time they go around him they see a new aspect of God do you know what I mean like what does it mean to be desperate for Jesus what does it mean to be wholeheartedly serving him I feel like God is saying I'm pushing you into a new realm whatever wherever you feel like you're at take that step take that step of faith and believe I'm going to leave this place as I take one step out of that door I'm taking a step into a new identity I'm taking a step into a new mindset I'm going to be sold out for Jesus I'm going to surrender all things to him in worship we surrender all things to him we pour out all things to him so yeah that's me And as you were even (coughs) speaking, I was thinking about how we cannot muster up this fire by ourselves. We cannot muster up this fire. The fire that you see, but you're thinking, how are these people getting this fire? Yeah, okay, right, let me try it. You actually cannot muster up. Do you know that my continual prayer day in day out is God give me more hunger God give me more hunger because I know that I actually uh, uh, someone might preach it to me someone might say yeah God and I'm here listening like, uh-huh uh-huh yeah yeah but at the end of the day I cannot muster up the fire that I want to see in my life mm. God is the one who burns the fire you, your job is simply just to be the sacrifice And I think that's so important because as you were speaking, the Lord was reminding me of Genesis 15 when Abraham went to put a sacrifice on an altar for the Lord. See, all that he had to do is he didn't have to light it up and get it blazing. All he had to do was put that, put that sacrifice on the altar and protect it. That is something we need to listen to. The Bible says that the vultures came down. And they tried to eat at the sacrifice that he put there. But Abraham wafted it away. So it's important that we waft away the distractions. It's important that we waft away the things that come our way to try and pull us out of our place. But the most important thing that we must ensure is that we just position ourselves there. The Bible says a few verses later that it was later on. It wasn't immediately. God's fire burnt down on that sacrifice. So I realized right there that I can't muster up the fire. All I have to do is place myself on the altar. I say, Lord, I'm placing myself right here on the altar. I get into his presence. I say, I'm giving it to you. And he's the one who brings a fire. I can't muster up that up in my own might. I can't do that myself. None of us can. It's only him. 
So don't put pressure on yourself to muster up the fire. Put pressure on the Holy Spirit. And when you're a son, when you know that you're a son, you know what's your birthright. So you remind God, God, I'm holding you accountable to your word right now. Many people always think that God is there holding you accountable. This is my word. Why aren't you walking in it? This, that, and the other. No, it's time for the bride of Christ to begin holding God accountable for his word. God, you said, Father God, that the righteous are as bold as a lion. So, Father God, I'm holding you accountable for that word because I need to see that manifest in my life. There's sometimes blessings that need to be wrestled for. And when I tell you wrestling, I'm talking about wrestling with the word and holding God accountable to that word by continually placing it before his face day and night and saying, Father God, God, you said in your word that you hold your word higher than your head. That's what the word of God says. So what do we do? We wrestle for that identity. I saw in the Bible, I saw how Jacob spent a night wrestling in the presence with Jesus. He wrestled until his identity was changed. No longer was he called Jacob. They now called him Israel. So sometimes there's going to have to be a wrestling in that place where you're not just there beating yourself up. That's not what wrestling is. Wrestling is holding God accountable to his word and saying, God, I'm not moving until you bless me. I'm not moving until you change me I'm not moving until I see an identity shift today in the name of Jesus and it's time to hold him accountable for the things that we want to see occur in our lives bride of Christ so the Lord is so good because he was even speaking to me about why this this intimacy and direct contact is so important I'm just moving briefly on because I know we need to get through a lot of stuff but we've talked a lot about how we must know ourselves and know our sonship and have our identity and everything that's so important but what we must not forget to add is the reason why it's so important to have intimacy is so that we can also relate to others not only on how are we going to relate to God is what we're teaching today through identity it's how we're going to relate to those around us vital if we have intimacy with God then there will be an outward expression that he now will cause others to witness You see, I love looking at Solomon's kingdom because there was excellence that saturated that place. Excellence that caused the queen of Sheba to travel to him and get saved. Excellence. And when I'm reading that, I'm saying, I see Jesus because I see Jesus in the Old Testament everywhere I look. What are we? We may not be a physical palace, but I know that we're now palaces of heaven. And I know with the inward dwelling of the excellent spirit of the Holy Ghost, we must have a witness inside of us that causes people to see who we are as a bride, as a people, and say, I must know the Lord Jesus Christ. So this is so vital in terms of us being intimate with God so that we can have an outward expression that radiates things. It radiates something. The Bible says that when we seek him in secret, he will reward us in public. And that's not just getting material things. When I say he rewards us in public, when the Bible says that, it's speaking about him rewarding us in public with his fruits. With us walking in the character of Christ Jesus and people seeing and tasting that the Lord is good in and through our lives. You know, that's a sweet taste that we need to carry. It's through being intimate with Jesus Christ and knowing him as a father that I learned to honor my one in the world. Because he did a lot to me, my father in the world. But as I learned to be intimate with Christ Jesus and receive my identity, I was now able to still honor the one who had mistreated me. 
And it's the same because as I go into intimate connection and, and, and um, communion with the Lord and I get to know him, I receive his forgiveness for myself and I can now forgive those people who are mean to me in the world. I receive the abundant grace that he shows to me through what he did on the cross and the day-to-day presence of grace he pours out upon me. And now I want to extend that to those around me. I was annoyed this morning, or was it yesterday, when I found out that my friend took my milk. And then I went into the presence. I was like, she took my milk, Lord. Like, is she going to pay me back? Like, she took my milk. I went into the presence and then... I came out and I said, wow, I hope she keeps my milk. She doesn't have to pay me back. And I hope I can one day even buy her another milk to help her out. (laughs) Why? Because when I went into the presence of God, he reminded me of who I was. And reminded me of what he had done. My identity was changed in that moment. Rather than having this selfish mentality, I realized, wait, my identity, my birthright is selflessness. So now I was able to walk that out. He changes mindsets. He flips things upside down. And I know that part of our intimacy with God is not just for ourselves, but for other people to benefit from. I think that's incredible. A lot of you don't think that you're affecting people because maybe you're not evangelizing. Maybe you're not doing this and and the other. No, no, no. Simply a smile on your face. It's causing destruction in the enemy's camp. What? What? Why do, why do you think one of the biggest problems we're facing in this generation is depression? Wow. Because the enemy knows the power of joy. Wow. Oh my God. He knows the power that it causes on the enemy's camp. Wow. Why? Because God said that that was what his kingdom was filled with. Righteousness, peace, and joy. If I can steal Amen. that. Oh gosh, he says I've got them. Amen. Amen. So should we just give Jesus a round of applause? Okay, so, um, yeah, so I guess if we just summarize, so we just kind of, just like my revision strategies, you know, just go over what we've just been talking about. Yeah, so um, I think, well, yeah. So we basically just said, like, knowing Jesus um, it's about intimacy. It's about love. It's about being a child of God. It's about knowing your birthright and knowing what is yours. Knowing all of the promises in the Bible are yours. And um, yeah, definitely. It's about also realizing your inheritance. It's also realizing that um, works are not your prize. Christ Jesus is. You know, it's about realizing that this walk with God is also not just for yourself. I had a friend who once said that all they wanted for, from Christianity was to get married and have babies. Um, and then God opened their eyes to see that, you know, it's actually for the world as well. Um, but it must start from that place of intimacy so that you can walk in identity. Yeah. So did anyone have any questions or anything that they wanted to... Um, how do you know um, whether you're going from a place of works or if you're going from a place of love? Okay. So with that, I measure 
whether I'm on fire for God, right? Not from who's telling me you're doing great for God. I love your exploits. I love this. I love that. I love this. This is I measure it from my pursuit of his face. I know when I'm doing something that is like, just like, uh, let me just do it, right? When my relationship with God is just drying, like it's just dry, you know, I'm, I'm, there's, there's no there's no much desire for him. I'm not really pursuing him. I'm just doing it because yeah, the Bible tells me so. Like, you know, this is what I need to know. Like, it's like, that's what I need to do. That's what I'm kind of expected to do. Do you get what I mean? Um, I'm doing it out of, yeah, okay. But God loves a cheerful giver, and that's not just finances. That's actually with our life and, like, poured out as a drink offering to other people. So I genuinely, um, like... I'd say the best way to like see is like, are you actually in God's presence? Are you spending time with him? Um, you know, do you enjoy him? Are you, are you seeking him basically? Obviously I know there will be times when sometimes it is difficult to pursue God. Um, but me actually actively wanting to be with him and really trying to cultivate that intimacy, that's when I know, okay, th- now these things are flowing out of that place because we've got that intimate place in private, right? Yeah. I think as well, um, fruits. So can you like smell Jesus? Yeah. Like, okay, that sounds weird, but like peace, love, joy. How, you, how do you feel? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So true. Any other questions? So where does purpose tie in with identity? Okay, so something that just came to mind was when um, we know God, he gives us his heart, right? Okay, so God gives us his heart. And what you begin to realize is that, okay, first and foremost, your purpose is to love the creator, right? Yeah. But I know that what, you, what you're kind of talking about is like, you know, navigating through life and like what, what does God want me to do, this, that, and the other, right? First and foremost, we must be in the presence, right, so that our hearts can be moved for the things that God wants us to actually work on and do. And that's why in the book of Nehemiah, he actually had such a burden on his heart that he was almost drawn to tears because the walls had broken down. He had such a burden for the walls to be restored. And he moved in that and knew, he was just like, I need to be part of this. I need to restore this. I need to, this needs to happen. So what I've noticed is as I've just spent time with God and as I've been with him alone, there's certain passions that have begun to start bubbling up inside of me that weren't even there before. And those are small nudges from God saying, yeah, I'm pushing you in this way. This is part of your purpose in this I want you to do this. Maybe that's with you starting a fashion line. Maybe that's with you going and helping the homeless. Maybe that's with you wanting to start a magazine. Maybe that's with you wanting to work with youth and kids and this and that and the other. God giving you burdens. God likes to work with burden what we've kind of forgotten in the church that God actually is that God has emotions and sometimes he deposits them differently inside different people so that the body can work together to achieve his will so work with burden that God has placed on your heart that passion that you have that just can't seem to be quenched that's God speaking to you and wanting to push you in and navigate you in purpose yeah Mm. I I would say also um just loving like God's heart is to love people and when we walk in that when we walk in like loving people I think we start walking in our purpose naturally as well 
and also yeah. yeah and oneness is also the same like god deposits his emotions when we're yeah. when we're one yeah. with him or when we're I would love to add as well that what we must not get mixed up with doing is thinking that because we're doing and this is completely fulfilling purpose because if God takes that away for a season if your purpose is in what you're actually doing you're going to feel like you don't have one you know and that's why it's so important you know have being presence driven and knowing that your wow. purpose is actually to love your purpose is to serve. People look down on the fruits of the spirit, guys. People, what's my purpose? What's my purpose? Look at the fruits of the spirit. That's actually God revealing, you know, his purpose to us. But we've looked down on these things so much, we've turned purpose into position rather than the fruits. And I would also say that I think sometimes we do idolize purpose when we do have to understand that we actually only have partial knowledge. Like, I might think I'm going to do one thing in the future, but how long is that going to be for? Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, God can just switch something, like, in a moment. Yeah. So we have to be, like, presence-driven, as yeah. you said. Yeah. I definitely agree with that, because even with myself, I don't know what's going to happen in the future. If God tells me to shut down YouTube, I'm not going to sit there crying. I don't want to shut it down, Lord, because my purpose shouldn't be in terms of... Uh, it shouldn't, I shouldn't idolise what God has called me to do. I'm here to worship God, not what, not the works he's called me to actually... Yeah you know, put, do on the earth. At one stage, my purpose will be, be um, perhaps one day, who knows, being a mother. And me actually be knowing and understanding that I'm still serving God through that. I'm still, I'm discipling through that. I'm helping, I'm nurturing through that. And whether it is one or a thousand, it's still important to God and still purpose. Yeah. And one more thing, <laughs> I would say that in the um, garden, we see that Adam and Eve, they grab the fruit, right? And I would say the fruit is like purpose. The fruit is things without the creator. Do you know what I mean? And even in the prodigal son story, we see that the younger son wants the inheritance and not the father. And um, he, he starts eating with the pigs. And so it, it causes dehumanization because he's grabbed the purpose he's grabbed the thing he's grabbed the the things in the world over his father yeah and like when when adam and eve grabbed the fruit they became less human because what it means to be human is to dwell in the presence of god like jesus showed us that to be human is to dwell in the presence of god and be in communion with the father so when we grab things above jesus we we yeah we, we yeah it's not it's not perfect any other questions How do you get to a place of intimacy and staying there? Do you know what? Sometimes intimacy is going to be a battle. I'm telling you this straight. Because if it was that like that for Jesus, it's going to be the same for us. Wow. I said this today earlier. It's funny you say that. I, said, I released a video about this on my Instagram today. Sometimes Jesus slipped away. The Bible says he slipped away frequently to the wilderness to spend time with God. Other times the Bible said he had to climb a mountain. What do we understand by that? Sometimes it feel like you can just slip in and out of the presence. The Holy Spirit is so rich. He's just wow. there. It's like, oh, the presence is just, it's just, oh, you slip in, you slip out. It's just so tangible. Other times you're going to have to climb a mountain. Wow. Other times it's going to feel like it's toil. Other times you're going to be there like you're waiting upon the Lord, like what is going on? I, I, but God is saying to you, keep climbing. Jesus had to climb up a mountain. Just so that he could reach its peak, sit on there and pray the whole night to have that communion and fellowship with the Lord. And sometimes that's how it will feel. 
The only thing God is requesting is that we don't give up. We still continue to walk up that peak. So what he's saying is continue to keep coming to me. Continue to keep seeking me. Even when it's so difficult, yes, you keep on pursuing me. Those who diligently seek me, I shall reward them. What is the reward himself? I used to think the reward was a blessing, a material blessing. The Bible says those who diligently, he rewards though, he rewards those who diligently seek him. What does he reward them with himself? Himself. So just keep going. Sometimes it's hard. I remember I was in a season from June to very recently, actually, October, where it was up and down. And I was really like, what is going on? There's something. Mm. And it was suddenly then cracked. There was almost six months of me climbing up a mountain, mm. really trying to, un- like, I want to, there's something deeper here. There's some-. And it cr- I got to the peak. And now I'm just really swimming. I'm really swimming. It's an easy season now of swimming, swimming, swimming. But I could have given up. I could have said, um, yeah, I can't, I can't keep going with this mountain. Mm. You may have noticed that at the beginning of your walk that the presence was so tangible all the time. You just could, in and out, in and out. You're just there like this. God does that. He's, he's funny to just to, to lure you in. I'm joking. <laughs> no, but it's almost, I was talking to my friend about how it's kind of like the training wheels and then he removes it. And he wants you now to ride by yourself. Even when there's trials, he wants you to, yeah. hey, come on. Now it's time for you to come come on yeah and i just wanted to say um i feel like there's a difference between like works and pursuit do you get what i mean so i feel like god was just telling me like even in a relationship like a human relationship you can never earn someone's heart like you can never earn someone's heart as much as you do, as much as you're present, as much as you try, you can never earn someone's heart. But once you have committed to that person, once that you already have their heart, you can pursue them. You can, you know, be intentional, Bible studies, all this stuff. You can be intentional with the way that you pursue that person because you want to spend time with them. You want to serve them. But in the beginning, you can never earn somebody's heart. So there's a difference between works and pursuit. So we can be pursuing God every day and spending time with him. But we have to know that we're not earning his heart. Do you get what I mean? You already have his heart. You're already in a relationship with him. You're just pursuing him and serving him and wanting to spend time with him because you're already in a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I 100% agree with that because there was a season I was in. Basically, the Bible says that the Israelites feasted more than they fasted. Please note that. Because there was a time where I was just non-stop fasting, non-stop fasting, and God had to still my spirit and ask him, ask me, who are you fasting for? Is it for me or is it just for yourself? I realized that if I was not fasting, I didn't feel like I had right standing with God or that he would favor me in the way that he had been. Orphan mentality. So now I will eat and eat and eat. I'll eat before a speaking engagement. I'll I'll eat, I'll feast. Oh yeah, I'm going to minister somewhere. I'm just going to eat all week. Yes, Lord, bite, bite, bite. I would literally fast and fast and fast and fast. I want the anointing to move. I want the anointing to do this. Slavery mentality. With what we were talking about today. Falling into the slavery of fear. Sometimes I don't even prepare for a message. People think, oh, God's not going to use you. No, no, no. He'll use me. He'll use anyone. He loves me. God's not going to stop using you if you, d- if you, don't, if you don't do something. That, and, and this is what we have, this punishment mentality. 
this punishment mentality. Oh gosh, I didn't get this job interview. Oh, it's because I haven't been keeping up with my fellowship with the Lord recently. I don't have my job interview. I can't get internship anymore. What is going on? Father God, don't punish me now. All of this. No, 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 no. What must I highlight to you guys? It's the fact that in our weakness, he's made strong. Mm. And the Bible says, whilst we were sinners, whilst we were in sin, that's when he decided to come from us. So even when you're away from God, you feel like you're not praying enough. You feel like you're not interceding enough. You're not fasting enough. Did you know that in our weakness, while we were sinners, that's when God decided to open up the abundance of his heart to an even greater level and sent his son for you. So why, when you're not fasting or praying, do you think now he's going to withdraw and take his hand off of your life? It's in those times he's going to chase after you the most. And I've had to realize that truth as well. Any other questions? Um, okay, you can add on to it. Yeah. But do you mean like, do you mean just like in general, like life? Life. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, okay. Is this just like a catch-up question? Like, how are you yeah. kind of thing? Okay. Yeah, so I basically was saying to Benita today that I'm definitely in a season where the Holy Spirit wants intercourse, daily intercourse, um, because sometimes I was just satisfied with um, being in his, I was more satisfied, right, with um, routine and repetition than relationship. So I was more satisfied with making that space for the quiet time rather than actually having that intimate relationship in it. Um, and that's not okay. So I felt like now I'm in this season where it's literally continue. Uh, like I'm literally like, God, I'm going to wait on you. <laughs> It's going gonna, it's gonna to be, I think I, I waited an hour and a half the other day until I found communion. That actually, or, or like that communion. And God said, see, you waited for me. You waited upon me. And it was, it was so beautiful, you know. So I'm really in that season of like, come fire, come for anything. Like God, I am, we're ha- going to have intercourse daily. Um, not just up that daily. Um, and I know that I'm being prepared for definitely a new season. I think 2019 is going to be quite mad Um, with bold steps concerning ministry. um, I'm realizing that it's okay um, if even the people I expected to be with me on the journey forsake me and turn on me it's one thing having people you don't know talk about you i don't care it's another having those who are close to you uh now forsake you on the journey so i'm learning a lot about you know being whole in god regardless of whether loved ones will grieve me or not you know i remember a time when my (laughs) my mom said to me jesus is not proud of you and he is so angry at you for all that you're doing she said it out of her emotions. I know she didn't mean that, but I said to my spirit, that's the greatest blessing I ever received from her because I realized that I'm not living for her expectation or her approval. I'm living for God's, you. you know? 
Yeah. So um, I'm a student. So um, back in that uni life, um, it's a grind. <laughs> um, yeah. So um, so we've got Imprint London. <laughs> so yeah, we've just been doing that. Um, I feel like God is calling me um, just to be like so hungry for him. Like, I just want to be so hungry for him. I don't even feel like I'm anywhere near where God wants, where God wants me to be. And like, just there's, just there's just so much more. There's actually so much more. And um, I just feel like he's breaking off, breaking off like negative mindsets as well. Yeah, just like being able to be free. I think that's where God is taking me. Like, to be free, to be even more... Undid- undid- undignified than this to be able to sing and worship and just sit at his feet and um be more and more hungry for him um yeah and so we're just doing cruise and in london and that's like growing and stuff so yeah that's 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 where i'm at really I think um, the mere reason that many Christians were walking in hiding because they believed that they had to be perfect once they gave their life to Jesus. Everyone was fine talking and being transparent when they gave their life to Christ and what they were living before. But people struggled when it was talking about... um, their flaws once they were actually walking with Christ and also walking for a long time. And I believe the bride also puts a very, um, very harsh expectation on leaders to the point that they feel like they can't be vulnerable because of the spirit of religion in the church. Oh, you should be acting like that. How can you? Mm, But you're preaching, so why don't you do that? Oh, but you're seeing it talking. And there's no grace. We've forgotten the cross. We've forgotten that Jesus has done so much for us. And we've forgotten to extend that grace to other people. And so I just wanted to break that. I wanted to go, like, that's why I started a blog talking about when I fell into lust with my boyfriend. That's why I spoke about um, being jealous of Caitlin Nunes when I first started on my walk. Because I felt like, like, oh, she's better than me or something like that insecure mindsets that's why I'm open talking about you know even today just talking about yeah like um or maybe my health hasn't been in the best place um for like uh, when I was facing an attack and not putting up this oh I'm a Christian I just got to look perfect and you know I'm always well almost always perfect and nothing ever goes wrong and God has that's a continual process do you get what I mean? It actually takes um, effort to continue to actually ensure that you are being transparent with those around you. 
and actually not even caring what people think. I actually don't care. I don't care. Do you get what I mean? Because whether I'm walking perfectly, perfectly or not, people are going to judge me anyway. People are going to, oh my gosh. And it, this is the thing, like, even with the YouTube channel that I have, right, you can, you can do anything and people would just find flaws. Anything. Like, I think someone was like, you're wearing a wig on your head. And they were like, they were like, Jesus will not speak to anyone who wears a wig. I don't believe you're speaking from God. Shalom. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, Lord, help them, man. Like, because people just judge regardless. You can try and be the most perfect Christian. You can literally try to hide everything and be like, da -da 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 -da. what does that do? It just will raise your blood pressure and make you actually, like, just melt your mind. And people will be judging you anyway. Or you can just be real and talk about your flaws and the things that go on and explain to people that you're still maturing and you're actually running this race. Even Paul himself, he said, I do the things that I don't even want to do. He even admitted that there were flaws that, that occurred in his life. Like, I'm not going to pretend, I'm not going to sit up here. When I'm preaching right now, I'm speaking to people. Do you know I'm preaching to myself as well? I'm like, God, do you better speak to me as well because this has to come into my heart as well. Yeah. Um, I think with me, um, yeah, so like even in my testimony, like I I um, knew God for, uh, you know, well, I kind of, well, I, I, I knew God, I guess. I went to church for a while, then I did my own thing in my first year of university. And then, you know, I started knowing Christ. And so when I even came to God, like I had a lot of things that I was carrying, even a lot of things from my childhood and just how hard it was and different stuff. Like I had a lot of things that I was carrying. And I think whenever, even when I started walking in, in my faith and even when I started doing stuff for Jesus, it was just so evident, like, you know, your power works best in my weakness. You know, when I have not had any time to prepare for this thing, you've come through. When, I, when I've been praying for people and these words are coming out of my mouth, I know it's not me because I know me. I know me. I know the flaws that I have. I know the brokenness that I carry. Like even I, I remember speaking to people that are going through the things that I'm going through. My heart is broken, but somehow Jesus is moving through your life. It's, there's no way that it's me. And so when I, when I share my weaknesses, like Nia Sharice was saying, it, it takes the weight off me because it's never me. We can boast in our weaknesses because we know that Jesus always comes through. It's always about him. It's always about him. And even transparency brings us healing. When we, when we lay our things bare, that's, the, that's when Jesus can heal them. That's when Jesus, you know, it says confess Confess to, confess to others your sin and there will be healing, you know. We find healing in talking to people around us. And just whenever you do anything for Jesus, whenever you step out, whenever you pray for someone, know it, just, it never comes from your strength. Because that's a, that's a lot to carry. That Jesus is the one that knows what they're going through. And when we are thankful, when we are humble, and when we, just, when we know our weaknesses, we, Jesus, he's just amazing. He's just amazing. And I think the main revelation was just like, seeing how Jesus loved me in my worst parts. You know, like I remember I had this this vision and it was basically like I was literally just in complete sin. I was just in sin and Jesus was just knocking on the door and I did literally didn't even want to talk to him. I was just like, when is this guy going to go? Like, why is he still here? And then the vision changed and I, I could feel the consequences. I, could, I felt like I don't want to be here anymore. And I went outside and Jesus was still there. 
And I was thinking, I really told you to like go, but you're still here. You still, you still want to hug me. You still want to embrace me. And I was just like, this love really loved me back when. Back in the middle of my pit, back in the dirt. He still loved me. And I pray that every single person, every single one of you knows that. You're not loved anymore now. You're actually not loved anymore now. You are loved the same. Jesus loved you the same. That's how, and when we understand the, 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 the magnitude of our weakness, we can understand the depth of his love. Um, I would say, first and foremost, discernment is really important because all of the posts that I made were from the unction of the Holy Spirit leading me to actually do that. I believe both are vital, right? Because when you are struggling with something, when you open up to people, you have accountability that can actually help you to even get through. Most people want to keep it to themselves and they struggle through things longer than they should have because if they'd opened up to somebody about it, they would have actually gotten over the mountain and just it would have been like done and done, done and dusted. So I believe both are really important. But I believe also that um, it's important. Who, who are you opening up to? And does the Holy Spirit, is he leading you to open up to that person? Because for some of us, we just go up to people and we just tell them everything. But these people don't actually care. They're not there to love you. They want to backbite. They want to turn against you. They want to do this and that and the other, which is why it's so vital to pray and be spirit-led with who you need to open up your heart to. And who you need to be transparent to. There's sometimes where God will want you to do a public something, maybe something public. You're sharing a testimony, and I believe you know He'll He'll want you to share what you've been through in your walk, and it may have been something recent. Why? Because the Bible says in Revelation that they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. So when you're testi testifying, some of you um, need to open up. God's leading you to open up. Why? Because he wants to complete some healing inside of you. Just breaking that, that fear to be free and, and that liberty that he wants you to walk in. Unafraid. But other times, as I'm saying, it's like we must also share things whilst we're going through them too. And that usually is um, with trusted accountability, people who will care, pour into you. But not only that, people who will challenge you. Because being open and transparent with people who are encouraging that struggle or they don't care and they're like, oh, you know, you know, grace abounds, so it's fine. Grace, grace, you know, it abounds, you know, kind of thing. Someone who will challenge you to actually turn away. Someone who will challenge you in love to help you out is really vital. Oh, I think it's something that I'm still learning, to be honest. Um, 
I guess I was just thinking like Paul boasted about his weaknesses, but like, are you boasting about your weaknesses because you're glorifying the father and saying like, you know, look at what Jesus has done through me. Or are we living in like a slave mindset where we believe that we're, we're nothing. Do I mean, it's, it's, there's two sides of the same coin. You know what I mean? Like, and I feel like I have to catch myself when I feel like I'm not, I'm nothing. Or is that, that, you know, God can use my small, you know what I mean? And um, I think as well, like knowing like why we are sharing with people, like sometimes got you don't want to share because you feel uncomfortable, but you feel like it's something that I'm supposed to do, but I feel uncomfortable. But sometimes you, you're sharing because you want, you want people, you're, you're forcing intimacy with people that don't really care and you don't value your words and what you're saying. So I think it's about understanding like, why do I want to say this or why do I not want to say this? Is it because I'm embarrassed? Is it because I don't feel like I'm supposed to and I feel convicted? Or is it because I still believe this? Um, you know, but I feel like there is power in sharing when, when God calls us to. And there is power, like when you're still going through something and sharing it through somebody else who's going through it, God can still use you. And yeah, I've seen him move, yeah. I did also want to add something that came um, when you were speaking was, what is your goal for transparency as well? What is your goal? Because I say transparency without the desire for transformation has no purpose whatsoever. Like, I said this example of a thief is still a thief whether it opens up to you or not. A thief can say, I'm going to come and steal from your house, just letting you know. And there's another thief who won't tell you but will just come and steal from your house. Both of them are thieves. But if there's actually a thief who's saying to you, no, no, I steal, but I don't want this anymore. Many people have this mentality of I gossip, but that's just who I am. Like that's just what I've always been. That's just my culture. Like you know, this is what this this is just what we do in my culture. Like this, you know, I've got a bit of a I've got a bit of an attitude on me. Like a bit of an attitude, but I just get it from my mom. Like you know, like that's just no, that's just who I am. Like you know, yeah, in my family, like yeah, cheating's normal because like you know, they they did it. Like that kind of thing. Like that's just my. What is your purpose? Do you want transformation? So it's so impo- like this also is for people who come to you because we're not just teaching on how you to be but for you to also be people to cultivate a transparent people who come to you many people are deceived into believing that when people come to them and they're open okay great yes I believe it's good that that's the first step but are they looking for transformation and that will that will lead you to to say you know because if they're looking for transformation they're actually looking for Jesus if they're not looking for transformation, they're not looking for Jesus. How, how are you transformed by the word of God? By colliding with truth. There must be a desire in their heart to be transpar- transparent, but to also be transformed by the word of God. So I want to encourage people here. If people come to confide in you, it's good to be a comforter, right? But there's a difference between being somebody who pities somebody and someone who has compassion. Because in the word of God, especially um, the book of Luke, you see that when someone pitied someone, this is what happened. The priest just looked on at the person who was bound, the Samaritan in the road and said, oh, and walked on. But it was the it was the man it was it was the man what was I believe it was the last man 
who came up to him and helped him. And he, he bound up his wounds. He took him to the inn. He helped. That compassion, compassion will lead to something. I don't just want to be a Christian who pities people. I don't want to be someone who, oh, really? Is that what you're going through? Oh, <laughs> it's okay. You know, you know, you don't have to change. Okay, you know. No, I want to be someone who, who says, I hear you. And I'm so compassionate with what, what you're going through. But I believe that Jesus can change you. I believe that he can touch you. I want to actually help you to, to see transformation. So important. So what final point is just, um, we can be transparent in front of Jesus. I don't know if we kind of said that already, but yeah. I just really encourage you just to bring everything in front of God. Mm. Like Nia Sharice was saying that Saul earlier, you were saying that Saul never really repented for what he was doing. Yeah. Um, it's very easy for us to think that God won't use us because you've made mistakes and he'll replace us and get a David, right? But the Holy Spirit was speaking to me um, through actually Benny Hinn um, who explained that the only reason why Saul lost his throne is because he didn't repent properly. He didn't repent, open his heart to the Lord and confess his sin. David did worse sins than Saul. Like, come on, he slept with a woman. He did that and did this thing. Ever. Saul, Saul didn't, in comparison to David, no, it, it was minor in comparison to David. But David was called a man after God's own heart. Why? Because when Nathan came to him and exposed his sin, he was so distraught. He turned in complete repentance. He cried out to the Lord and God restored him. So that's why it's so important to be transparent with, the go with God. If you don't want to be transparent with God, yes, he will move on and he will find someone else. That's the truth. But if you are open, transparent before the Father, and you repent, you truly confess your sin to him, he will never give up on you. Oh, oh can, and also, quick to mention, sorry, and thank God for it. Um, the guy who was bound on the street wasn't the Samaritan, it was the good Samaritan who was the man who walked who was walking and spotted the man bound. Yeah, just had to mention. All right, could we just yeah give them a round of applause? Um, I personally, I've been blessed by tonight, honestly speaking. I just kept pacing up and down because I, I couldn't sit down. And that's how much of a word it was. And like I said at the start, I really believe that God brought each and every single one of us here for a reason. In our own individual ways, you know, I'm pretty sure that this word has impacted your spirit. And I just pray that it, you really grasp it, you know, but... I really, I would really encourage every one of us to, you know, not only, like I said in the prayer, just be hearers of the word, but take that step to actually implement this in your life one way or another. You know, they spoke a lot about identity and this whole concept of sonship. There's a lot, a lot has been spoken tonight, but make sure, and not just make sure, but allow the spirit of God to, to equip you or to quicken you or to get you to that place where you actually want to implement this in your very own lives. 
So I, I, I really believe that God, through both of you, um, just now, if you if you may, just release a prayer over everyone here, you know, because sometimes the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So I really believe that God is um just wants to release something through both of you in prayer. So if you don't mind, you know, everyone just rise and just just join in in faith as we pray.